Uh, but Bates comes in. Bowls. And, oh, it's lobbed up in the air. And Rachel Haynes is out. Caught at short mid-wicket. Trying to get a single. And she has been caught off the leading edge. And it's a bit of a flattener to get out like that. But what a magnificent innings. She looked at not yet there yet the breakers but she's played a big part in steering them to victory they only require four more yeah, absolutely. a very warm welcome to this christmas edition of the cricket library weekly a merry christmas to you robbie mckinlay good evening matty and Absolutely. Merry Christmas to you, our loyal listeners, and uh, any of our new listeners. We, um, yeah, we've had a, a fun season so far, and gee, the Test matches are put us in a goal in a good frame of mind. The Aussies are doing very well with that two nil lead, and I know there is a lot of excitement out of the Orange Library about the elevation of Marnus Lavashane to number one batter in the world. And if you look at, if you take a deep dive or drill down into some of those stats, it's hard to disagree against it. His figures are quite amazing, aren't they? Oh, absolutely remarkable. And, and it goes back to a couple of years ago. We were at the Sydney Test Match with Matt from the Orange Library and he was very buoyant. Mm. about the prospects of Marnus. There, there were some doubters. There were some people that were suggesting perhaps Marnus wasn't up to test cricket, but all along driving the Marnus Lavashane train has been Matt from the Orange Library. And this is our chance to heap some praise on not only Marnus, but the man who's been... Pushing him all along, and as a stats guy, do you reckon? Do you reckon Matt from the Orange Library would be loving the positive stats around oh. the number one batsman in the world at the moment? There's not too many negative stats around him, is there? No. The only the only thing I'd say, and with anyone in sport, um, you don't necessarily need bad luck, but you can get a little bit of luck along the way. It does help. Um, but that that would be that's taking nothing away from you make your own luck, I think. And some of his yeah, some of the stats that um, Matt has been happy to share with us is quite amazing. That the one I think for the first twenty Test match innings mm. players who've scored fifty or more is quite remarkable. He he leaves the greats in their wake: Don Bradman, Steve Richards. Ricky Ponting, it just goes on and on and on. So, yeah, he's topping. He's topping in a lot of areas at the moment. So, yeah, good on him. He's, he's just got a, such a passion and thirst for the game. So, and on the back of that, another player of the match performance from us. But the Aussies obviously there lead two nil going into Boxing Day in two days time, two or three days time, and it's hard to see the um, the English bouncing back from this one. Matty Well, interesting you say that. Uh, Matt Fiction is back with the Fiction Files. Oh. Oh. And yes, England are down 2-0, but I'd be very interested to get Matt Fiction's views on the Fiction Files. That has actually gone public on YouTube, so no doubt lots of people uh, who are extremely keen on Matt Fiction's work would have already heard those views, but a lot of people hearing it first here on the podcast, and uh, that's coming up soon. But, Robbie, you were down at the City Power Centre commentating the all-important start to the WNCL season, and before I get your reflections on your time down there, can I just say a massive congratulations to Emma Hughes making her debut for... New South Wales. There were a couple of other debutantes as well, but I, I just wanted to highlight Emma Hughes, former guest on the Cricket Library Weekly and, of course, from Western New South Wales. So I just wanted to make special mention of E.L. Hughes making her WNCL debut for the Breakers. And, Robbie, 
two wins for New South Wales. Must be must be pretty happy with what you saw down there in Melbourne. Yeah, look, Matt saw two really good games of cricket. Um, gee, it's a great venue, the City Power Centre, which is the Junction Oval for a lot of the people who know it as. Um, very high-scoring game. Victoria on the Friday made 8 for 270, and then New South Wales chased the runs down pretty easily. Although, um, to be fair, it'd be New South Wales were given a real shot on the arm in the last third of the inning by an amazing inning from Aaron Burns, oh. who made 80 not out of 48 deliveries. Um, Cuz, as I like to call her. Yeah, she's your cousin, is that right? Well, yes, she is actually, Matt. So, uh, how, okay, here's how it works. My first cousin is Aaron Burns' father-in-law. Oh, so you, you, you're very yeah. close, is what you're saying. And I had the pleasure, actually had the pleasure of meeting Erin for the first time. And not only is she a, a wonderful cricketer, what a delightful young lady she is. It was an absolute pleasure. We had a good chat on Friday. And then one of the rain delays on the Sunday, we, we met at the coffee shop, oh. uh, the, uh, the City Power um, coffee shop down there. And we had a good chat there. So it was fantastic. And I claimed her as she, her as her good luck charm. Yeah, well, but, 80 off 48 balls, and she actually hit, yeah. she actually hit two more boundaries than I did on the weekend, Robbie. Fifteen. Now, boundaries. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> I thought I'd just throw out a little bit of line early on to well, see if we could, um, yeah, sort of somehow bring that into the conversation. But, yeah. Well, Matt, the most amazing part of that innings was, right, um, when Phoebe Litchfield was dismissed for Nord, New South Wales were four for 159. Rachel Haynes was in. Mm. And then the partnership, I think it was 91. Around about 90, the partnership that the, that, um, and Erin Burns, she just dominated the partnership. In fact, it got to the point where Rachel Haynes had to, they had to manufacture a way that Rachel could get her, try to get her 100. Because, Aaron Burns was just hitting everything to the boundary. Yeah, it looks and like looks like that partnership actually went past a hundred, Robbie. I think it was hundred nine. It was hundred and nine. And I can't quite remember what Rachel was on when the fourth wicket fell, but I'm guessing around about seventy. Yeah. Seventy off. And then all of a sudden Aaron Burns just started to say, Well, I've got forty eight balls, fifteen boundaries, just scorching the ball. And um, yeah. Just came, took a lot of pressure off Rachel Haynes because it was her return game, first game at that level all season, mm. and um, batted beautifully. And was just getting a little bit tired, in, I noticed, when she was in the 70s. That, and Erin um, came and took all the pressure off her. And um, then Rachel, unfortunately, got a leading edge trying to hit a single off the last ball of um, mm. Sam Bates' over. Sam Bates took three wickets, bowled beautifully. And because then she would have been she would have gone to 97 and would have needed to hit a boundary because uh, there was only two or three runs required for victory after that. But it didn't pan out that way. But, yeah, Alyssa Healy looked good with 51. Taylor Valemic was the one that impressed me. Very fast spell of bowling from her on both days. Um, Annabelle Sullivan bowled well. Sam Bates did bowl well. Got a little bit of tap just late in her spell. But she um, put uh, Victoria back in the game when she took a couple of those wickets and turned it around. But all in all, a fantastic game. Great game cricket. Brilliant venue. The wicket was magnificent. And then they did it all again on Sunday. Yeah, just quickly before we get on to Sunday, Nicole Fulton, uh, 88 not out as well for Victoria. Uh, What were your thoughts on her batting? Can you give us a little bit of a glimpse into where her strengths were in that 88 not out? Yeah, because she's... Very good wicketkeeper, Nicole Fulton, and a, I think a Gippsland girl originally. So yeah, I was commentating okay. with Sarah Elliott, who's had a lot to do with her, and Emma Gallagher. Both had a, you know, had a lot to do with Nicole. And before this inning, her highest score was 39. She came out and um, I think it was 88, maybe she made unbeaten 88. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just got a beautiful, very strong on the leg side, very strong on the leg side, but has improved her ground, her game outside all stuff. But, um, yeah, she, 
I hit 10 boundaries and innings, 88 off 83 deliveries, really nice innings. Annabelle Sutherland was looking great as well. That all goes well for Australia. But, yeah, very impressed with Nicole Fulton. She's worked hard. She's done a lot of travel to get herself where she is. And, yeah, it was a really good performance. And, and one shy of a half century on Saturday as well, so on, on the yeah. weekend as well. So a, a, good, a good weekend for Nicole. A great weekend. And, um, and of course, yeah, Sunday, we got a bit hairy there for a while Sunday. We got, um, <laughs> conditions turned a bit naughty. Um, but New South Wales, the game, we had a late start to the game. But, um, got, match was reduced to 47 overs each. Incredible effort by the ground staff to get the game started. Only a bit over half an hour late. Then they lost a bit of time close before lunch break, before the innings break, and then it was reduced. Yes, yeah, so reduced to 47, and they were unable to complete the last over because we got hit by a gale force rainstorm that was just hammered down for 10 minutes. And a lot of people would have seen the footage yeah. on, um, on, on cricketaustralia.com or, or through all the television networks. And both, both girls from New South Wales and Victoria were out there with the ground staff, keeping the covers on getting them out there quickly. And, yeah, like, you know, Liz Perry's case, she was lying down the wicket. She was, the, I think I described her as the most expensive peg in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and then she came out and she made 120 and batted beautifully. But great game, yeah. The breakers got 300. Seven mm. for 300. Um, some good contributions there, obviously, right across the board. But Talia Wilson, 54. Ash Gardner, 57, looked really good. And then Phoebe Litchfield. The girl from Bathurst made oh, 88. Orange. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, There's going to be my, – my, my goodness, the Orange oh. Library has just gone on strike. Oh, I don't know why I had Bathurst in my head there. Uh, L- we were Lisa about Griffith it. from Bathurst. Yes, exactly. But, um, the, yeah, the, the young lady from Orange, 12 fours and a six, batted beautifully and uh, just missed out on 100. She was disappointed, but her chance to come. Erin Burns made another 31. Um. Lister Healy was out early, caught and bowled off Terry. Yeah. But uh, Alyssa Healy looked really good on two days before that. Rachel Haynes got 24. Um, yeah, but, and then Victoria, wow, they probably always behind the eight ball. They, the, probably the reduction in overs didn't help their cause. They got reduced to 35 overs. Um, and it was dominated by Alyssa Perry, who made 120, 10 fours. And four sixes, yeah, just batted beautifully. Um, look really good, Matty. Great signs for the Ashes coming up, particularly the Test match. And Nicole Fulton, another 49. Best of the bowlers, I thought it was probably Hannah Darlington and Ash Gardner. Yep. Both bowled really well. Maitland Brown was pretty good too. I know um, Maitland, she's been a guest of the Cricket Library as well. Yeah, she has. Another mm. another debutante um, for the Breakers. And... Uh, congratulations to Maitland getting engaged today. Two big name cricketers getting engaged. Daniel Solway um, popping the question to his partner and Maitland Brown. Um, so great news for those people that enjoy good stories. And congrats. Uh, yeah, congratulations to those two couples. Very exciting times indeed. But yeah, just in all, I think the breakers have got a lot to look forward to. They will lose a lot of those players around about halfway through the season ahead of the um, the Ashes, and then also I think there's a New Zealand tour coming up as well mm-hmm. too for the for the women. But uh, yeah, all in all, great return to cricket. I, it's a very good brand of cricket to watch the WNTL, Matt. I was um, yeah super impressed with it. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, and while while you were there, the uh, other game or other games going on, uh, one win apiece in those ones between Tasmania yeah. and Queensland, and and some good performances I thought uh, across those games. Robbie, fantastic to see Nicola Carey making a hundred in one yeah. of those games. Always always been there or thereabouts when it comes to the Australian team. And uh, a really good performance from her on the first day as well. So she made 100 not out in the Tasmania victory over Queensland. Now, was there something interesting with 
um, in this game with one of our favourite players, um, Rachel Priest. Now, Robbie, do you want to elaborate more on this one? Yeah, that would have been the game on the Sunday. It yeah. was early early in the Queensland innings. And now I'm just trying to remember who the bowler was. Matt Matt from the Orange Library brought this one to my attention. Yeah. And the one of the um the Queensland batters was facing up and played and nifted a ball outside or stump. The bales came off and then I think it hit, it wrote, Rachel Priest hit, hit her glove. She went then and picked the ball up. She didn't catch it cleanly. Mm. Got the ball, threw it to a fielder, and then just went and picked the ball up, put it on the stumps. No one appealed. And the replay showed that uh, the batter was out bold. Clean oh. bold. Yeah. It was just amazing. It's, it's one of those things that you, you rarely see it like that. Incredible. Well, and, and sometimes you'd see it the other way where a, Dare I say, a keeper might accidentally flick the bail mm. off and think that the player is bold and carry on um, to the effect yes. of the player being bold. And uh, interesting to see that Rachel Priest isn't one of those kind of players that would carry on. Oh, no. no. That's, um, yeah, probably why she's one of our favourites here at the Cricket Library Weekly. Uh, Nick, Nicola Carey, 74, in that first game as well, Robbie. Uh, also, great to see... Maisie Gibson back playing uh, fifty over cricket, the sock enthusiast Maisie Gibson, and of course, yeah. of course, keep getting those sock orders in, uh, those magnificent cricket library socks. I know there's a, a couple of pairs on their way to the Orange Library, and I know, oh. I know that um, my mum has actually ordered some pairs from the oh. sock enthusiast as well. So that's interesting. Um, Jess Jonathan, five wickets. Is she just the premier spin bowler uh, in Australian cricket at the moment? Jess Jonathan. Oh, I, yeah. I, I guess we've well, gee, we've, 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 we've got a plethora of spinners, and we if, if they're all fit. You've got Georgia Wareham, you've got uh, Molly Strano, you've got Sophie Molyneux. A lot of these players are all injured, a lot of them, but. Jess Jonathan, I reckon consistently is – I would nearly take her as my first choice spinner yep. yeah, at the moment. I, I just think she – I just love that left arm over the wicket. She's just got beautiful, controllable – I mean, can she – one of the most accurate bowls. She, to me, she seems to have a plan for every over she bowls. Every ball has got a purpose, and it always is a threatening type of delivery. Beautiful yeah. bowler, Maddie. I mean, yeah, I, I've always thought Jess Jonathan's bowling holds up at any level of cricket, wherever you like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, on the batting side of things, Michaela Hinckley, 72, uh, half century for Grace Harris as well in that in that first game. Uh, so some, some really positive signs there for Queensland with the bat as well. And... In the second game, so Queensland Queensland having quite a good win in the game on Friday and then Tas- Tasmania turning it around with a five-wicket win in the return bout. Uh, Heather Graham, a half-century there as well, which is good to see. And um, Sarah Coit, three wickets down yeah. in Tassie now. What a season campaign has she's been for, for many years now, Sarah Coit, just getting the job done. And uh, helping Tassie to victory there. Georgia Redmayne, a half century as well for Queensland in yeah, that couple one. Of, hey, a couple of players to keep an eye on that are coming through the system nicely for Queensland. Charlie Knott. Mm. Just, seen, just seen her over the last two years. She's gone from that real teenager kid to she's just starting to show herself to be a, a, a real player of the future. I love the way Queensland have handled her progress. Another one, Georgia Bowl, very yeah. good player. We all know what a good player the doctor is, Georgia Redmayne. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the doc. Um, but that's good. Too. And the other one, Megan Dixon's still bowling well. Yes. Lily Mills. It's a, it's a really exciting team Queensland have got around at the moment. I Yeah, I, I love the brand of cricket they play. And, hey, don't rule out Grace Harris. 
of playing, potentially playing in the Ashes T20 matches, Matty. Yeah, absolutely, Robbie. Yep. Yeah, you, yep. you, you could do a lot worse than Grace Harris. Well, Matt, I think there'll be, I think there's a bit of discussion uh, at the cricket on Friday and Sunday, you know, off, you know, around lunch breaks and that, we're just chatting. We just think the Australian selectors are going to be looking at maybe making some significant change um, to player personnel in the different forms of cricket ahead of the Ashes. So I, so I think at uh, Red Bull cricket, um, Elise Perry is a lock. She's a, she's a class bat. Yeah. She, but I'm not sure these days because Elise doesn't bowl as much whether she comes into play in the, you know, the 50-hour game or the, well, I think the 50-hour game white ball now, but probably the T20 game now, maybe not. So, you know. Maybe yeah. the maybe the Grace Harris or someone be coming into that role, you know, bowls those off spinners, you know. So yeah, I think I think there's a good challenge here for the selectors to, you know, maybe um show, uh, maybe a, a different method of um some of the team selections, horses for courses, Matt. Yeah, well, we've seen horses for courses over the years, haven't we, Robbie? In in the men's team at different times. Hey, um. We'd better move on. We've got Matt, yeah. Matt Fiction is busting for us to give his segment a bit of a push. So, um, okay, we, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna play the Fiction Files, and then maybe we could share our perspective on the Test match yep. after that. Robbie, how's that sound? Sounds good. It's time again for the Fiction Files. My name is Matt Fiction. And now it's time to delve into the details, into the facts, into the feelings, all of the emotions attached to my time following England in this second test match. A day-nighter, Adelaide Oval. I'm excited. I can't wait. Let's have a look at day one. We are back, baby. Anderson, broad. You better believe it. We are in for a great day. Australia, how are they going to cope? I can't see them coping at all. It's going to be too tough for them. I don't think they've got what it takes to see off the pink pill. They were my thoughts. This morning. And at the end of the day, I still think we're on top. Two for 221. Pretty slow going from the Aussies. We've got them right where we want them. And you know what? I think we're going to assert the ascendancy on day two. I think I'll get a good night's sleep tonight. Because I'm not nervous at all. This one is in the bag. Day two. Oh, my word. How did things change so out of hand? We're two for 17 at Stubbs. After Australia piled them on, they just kept batting and batting and batting until they declared. Even the bowlers gave us a little bit of stick. I'm not happy at all about this outcome. Big recovery job ahead on day three here. All out 236. Oh, why is it that J.E. Root has to do so much work with the Willow? Why is it that DJ Milan is the only one supporting J.E. Root doing all the work with the Willow. Milan 80, Root 62. It was looking good. But it didn't end well. Starkey, four wickets. NM Lion, three wickets. Cameron Green once again destroying the hopes of England. Dismissing J.E. Root, the captain, once again. I don't know how we fix this. I don't know how we recover. I don't know whether England can win this test match from here. It's going to be a huge ask. Australia 1 for 45 at Stumps. We're going to have to dig deep here, England. 
Oh, what a start to day four it was. A nasty day for J.E. Root. A particularly challenging one after getting a nasty blow in the morning. And then later in the evening, looking like he'd been bull riding when he was trying to run between the wickets. My word, he looked uncomfortable, J.E. Root. And a difficult finish to the day. Four for 82. But you know what? I think if we can dodge eating green tea ice cream for breakfast, there'll be no calamities on day five. And we are going to guts it out for a gutsy draw. We're going to make the Australian bowlers suffer in their jocks. We're going to bat and bat and bat. They're not going to get 10 wickets. We're not going to let them. We're going to come out on top. We're going to take the momentum to Boxing Day. And how do you like that? All those people riding England off. I heard you on the radio, Ellis. I heard you saying that England only had the chance of losing this test match. No chance of a draw. Well, we'll prove all of the doubters wrong tomorrow on Day 5. Oh, I can't believe it. Who gave Joss Butler green tea ice cream for breakfast? I'm only assuming that's what could have happened. What a stay at the crease. 207 balls for 26 runs before he was out. Hit wicket. Hit wicket to J.A. Richardson. What a performance from Jai Richardson, 5 for 42. But I thought we were going to guts it out. We got to T, only eight wickets down. And then it was all over. We're 2-0 down in the series. But good thing for us, it's a five-game series, Australia. We're coming back at you. We're coming for you at the MCG. Don't rest on your laurels. Don't get too comfortable because we are coming back, baby. Oh, Robbie. (laughs) What are we going to do with Matt Fiction? He he is in extremely good spirits considering how comprehensively Australia dominated England in that second test match at the Adelaide Oval. I don't know. There's going to come a point where the bitter truth is probably going to hit home. It's almost as a non-acceptance of where they're at, isn't it? It's um, yeah. Oh, it's like, mate. He can. I, I, I admire his uh, loyalty and his, you know, but fair dinkum. I, mean, I think he's got to start realizing that they're in big bother here. They're looking at five nil down the barrel now. Yeah. Is Matt Fiction having Christmas with your family, Robbie, or is he? Do you know what his plans are? No, he said. Well, he hasn't. Well, he, if he lobs on the front doorstep, I'll have to let the poor bugger in. I suppose. <laughs> but, but no, he had no point unless he's on his way down to the Boxing Day test. Yeah, well, because he could, you know. Is he, it? He, yeah, I, I. He could pull in. I I'd heard reports that he was responsible for. Requesting that all the England players rewatch their dismissals. Okay. I, I don't know if that was publicly reported that it was that that it was his idea, but I I don't know if that's the right strategy. Going and sitting down and watching all your dismissals. Um, no. Anyway, I, I don't think I don't think Joe Root wants to watch too much of what happened to him over that last test match. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> well, I think he needs to move on. Oh, oh dear me! Oh, oh very discomforting. I hope. Yeah, I did too. I mean, he he showed a lot of courage. He, he's a he's a tough nut. Yes, yep. he certainly is. Um, and any other thoughts on the test? I think Matt Fiction's wrapped it up quite nicely. There, um, some some interesting points coming up. In the lead up to Melbourne, I I noticed S M Boland has been added to the squad, mm. and I, I seem to recall a very astute judge on this program suggesting S M Boland would be perfect for the MCG. 
what, what do you think his chances of actually playing are, Robbie, after uh, magnificent to see MG Neza and uh, or MG Neza make his debut there hmm. in, in Adelaide after we recorded last week uh, prior to the knowledge of that, didn't we? We were sort yeah, of t- yeah, trying to toss up. Yeah. yeah, and and obviously the whole um, Pat Cummins situation. Uh, what 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 are we what are we expecting here for Melbourne? Is it worth the risk of bringing Josh Hazelwood back, or do you do you give mm. give Neeser another run? Well, I think well Pat Cummins comes in, doesn't he? Mm. So someone's got to go out to him. So a bowler goes out to him. So I reckon that's Michael Neeser. Yep. Um, if you were to play Scott Boland, look, what I saw of him in that Shield game against New South Wales about a month ago, oh, I, I just kept, I, I, it was hard not to think. And I know Merv Hughes watching, he thought the same, that, gee, this bloke could be a handful come the ashes at Boxing Day Test. But who do you lead out? That's the thing. And yeah. the only thing that, unless Mitch Stark, there's a little bit of concern about maybe um, a, a side strain, but yeah. ah, I think he's pretty right. He, I just, I love the way Mitch Stark led the attack. He was fantastic. Gee, he, and the other thing I like about what Mitch Stark's doing now, he, he's really enjoying his work. He's smiling a lot. Yeah, this Ashes series been played in a really good spirit. They're calling it the friendly Ashes. I really like it. It's really good. So, but apparently, um, yeah, he, Mitch Stark will be ready and he will play. So. It, it means it's just going to be one change. Josh Hazelwood won't play. I wouldn't be doing that. With a side muscle injury, you don't just miss a week. That's more like two. That's a couple. So, um, yeah, he's, Stark's got rib soreness, but I think Scott Boland is there just in case Stark doesn't play. Yeah, okay. And I, 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 mean, I think, yeah, and it's a straight swap for mine. Cummins comes in for knees up. Yep. And Marcus Harris has been told that he'll play, which I'm, I'm, I know he hasn't been in great form and, he, you know, his, his test average is not great. But I think sometimes when you've got a good side like this, you sometimes can carry a player for maybe one extra test match and just hope it's his time. The other yeah. thing too, he has played a lot of cricket on the MCG. So that, that's a skill he can take into the game. So, yeah, it looks for mine, it's interesting. I hope Mitch Dark does come up, but... If there's any sign of a bit of soreness, I reckon they'll err on the side of caution and Scotty Boland potentially would come in. Yeah. And um, Elliot from New Zealand put a poll out on Twitter. I think yeah. Elliot, Elliot from New, New Zealand's a very big UT Kawaja fan at the top of the order. Um, so I think he was I think he was hoping to get the attention of the national selectors via Twitter to say maybe UT Kawaja should get the nod there. But... Uh, JL Langer throwing his support behind MS Harris for Boxing Day, which I I, I love UT Kawadra as much as anyone. Um, mm. I also love MT Renshaw. Uh, I know I know you're a big MT Renshaw fan yeah. as well, Robbie. And there's no no hiding the fact that we're massive BE Street fans as well. Uh, but I, I think it. I think it would be nice to see MS Harris pile on some runs in Melbourne and yeah. uh, do do himself justice because he's definitely got the raw talent to be able to score runs at that level. We just haven't haven't seen enough mm. of it uh, at this point in his career. So, um, an interesting stat, Robbie, around JE Root um, and just how much of the workload he's doing from a, a a batting point of view for England. I'm just trying to find it here. Yeah, here it is here. So J.E. Root in this calendar year has scored 1,630 of England's 6,263 runs. Wow. So, so he's scoring, he scored 26.03% of all of England, England's runs this year, that, and that's the record. And behind him was Gary Sobers back in 1958, scored 1,299 of the West Indies 5,085 runs. That's 25.55%. And 
Then you, 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 IVA Richards on the same list, 1,710 runs out of 6,750 for the West Indies in 1976, 25.33% of the runs. That's that's some really heavy lifting that <laughs> J.E. Root is doing on, on behalf of England this summer, isn't it? Oh, it's incredible, you know. It's, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a one-man band. Darwin Milan's been good, but... Yeah, if you look at some of the averages that the English Test cricketers at the moment, you probably can't win Test matches under uh, under that circumstance unless one of them has, makes a hundred and Joe Root goes big. That's the only way they can, Matty. Um, yeah, and they're bowling pack. You know, they, they copped it in Adelaide. They, you know, they they'll come away tied. Like Milan and Root, not only are they the leading run scorers, but they're they're leading wicket takers in that second innings. You know, Robinson's following off spin. There's a, a bit of a sad state of affairs, to be honest, where it, it's, um, yeah, I, I, look, they have a long time to prepare for this series, England. And I know I'm not sure if the weather in Queensland stalls it a lot, but at the moment, they, um, look, they haven't had the rub of the green. I think that's obvious, but they're still, at the moment, um, a, a fair way off Australia. Yeah. Yeah, I think so as well. I think so as well. And Matt, looking at not multiple changes, they're they're talking about maybe four changes into that side. You know, they're talking maybe Chris Wokes, Mark Wood will definitely come in, Zach Crawley, Craig Overton come in. You know, Overton can bat a bit. Crawley, I think he's got to come in. They they need something. They've got to try something else at the top of that order. Yeah. Rory Burns, you know, he's struggling. Hasid Hamid, he's trying hard, but you know, do they bring in De- do they bring back Jack Leach? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, that's a, that's an interesting one because um, Nathan Lyon, I thought bowled particularly well on that wicket there in Adelaide, and it did look like a wicket that was conducive yep. to a bit of spin, and uh, maybe England could have done with a bit of Jack Leach there. Uh, yeah, in Adelaide, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think you've got to have easy with hindsight. Got to have one spinner. Yeah, I think Jay Root's a really good off spinner. Actually, I'm, he's not too far off the best. Well, I think he's as good as he's as good as um, Jack Leach or uh, Don Best, to be honest. But yeah. he's captain of the side also, and he's their leading run scorer. He's their batter. You know, he he can't do any more for him. He just cannot do any more. A few of them are going to start standing up. It's as simple as that. Yeah, that's right. And and I I hope for the sake of the series that they do, Robbie. I still hope Australia win five nil. Obviously, but there's definitely uh, I definitely love to see some really tense battles um, going in the the remaining three tests of the summer. Yep. Well, yeah, I think it'll happen. I mean, I still think they can, you know, they potentially, they might get one late, but at the moment, um, Australia are playing with a lot of confidence. And, you know, Steve Smith hasn't quite kicked in the gear 100% yet, so look out when he does. Oh, that's right. I, I'd heard someone on a, a very reputable podcast predicting a massive series for Steve Smith, so I expect that to come mm, to fruition. Yeah. Hey, and, and while the test matches are going on, Robbie, the Big Bash... The Big Bash is still pumping away and um, a very interesting one, uh, well, interesting for me, obviously, um, being Ricky Ponting's birthday on Sunday, mm-hmm. there was a debutante in the Big Bash uh, for the Sydney Thunder who took four wickets in that debut. And I think the last player – well, let's do a little quiz. I know Matt Fiction had his own fact or fiction segment. Let's do a little quiz. Who, Robbie McKinlay, was the last player that you're aware of to take four wickets in their Big Bash debut on Ricky Ponting's birthday? Can you think of anyone? Was it Daniel Sands? It was. It was. Oh, fancy that. Yeah, Daniel D- Daniel Sams, 4 for 14 on Ricky Ponting's birthday uh, against the Sydney Thunder, which it pains me to say. Um, <laughs> but uh, the new fast bowling uh, recruit 
uh, Sakib Mahmood for the Sydney Thunder, four wickets. And that was my, that was probably my highlight of my personal Ricky Ponting birthday celebrations, Robbie. I don't know about you. It was, it was a great, it was great to see the, um, see the Sydney Thunder have the Brisbane Heat on the rack. That's great. But it was also good to see, um, Brisbane Heat recover. Like it was, what was it? At one stage, it was, it was pretty hard to follow because the, Seven for sixty. Yeah, the test match was on at the same time, and at five yeah. five for fifteen, I was thinking, "Oh, good night. This is mm. this is game over here." And it did end up being game over a fair bit later on, thanks to XC Bartlett forty two not out of twenty nine balls. Uh, but there's been some other good performances in the Big Bash, Robbie. Who who's impressing you? Are you are you keeping across the? Um, the BKT golden hat wearer and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I probably I'm, I like looking at more of those. Um, I'm really happy with what Mitch Marsh is doing. Oh, I'm so I saw that innings against um, English Lions up at um, Ian Healy Oval the week before, and uh, just absolutely loving the work he's doing. He's striking the ball as good as anyone in world cricket at the moment, Mitch Marsh, and just enjoying life. He's happy. The Scorchers are five from five, yeah. Um, and they are they they and the Sydney Sixers are leading the charge at the moment, haven't they? That's um, looking really good. I think, um, and I think the Thunder and Stars will make up the top four. Uh, I don't think Adelaide Strikers are going to be doing too much threatening. They've they've got four games. They've only won one. Um, I like the Stars. And I like I like the Thunder. I think the Thunder are going to play some really good cricket at the back end. So I know yeah. that'll please you. Oh, that and, d- does please me, Robbie. Tremendous. I think the Renegades, the Renegades, even though they're down at the bottom of the ladder at the moment, I think their best cricket's coming, particularly with Finchie back. And if Sean Marsh can get back into that side, but I just don't know what the situation with him at the moment is, um, they'll, they'll improve a bit. But they probably are very reliant on Nick Maddinson, uh, Madison, yeah. and um, also uh, Aaron Finch, who both had a beautifully... On that Wednesday evening, just couldn't quite get the job done. Perth making that big score of five to two oh six. Yeah, it was, it was great to see Finchie back actually uh, in the in the BBL after uh, an extended period off since the World Cup. Um, now, Matt, I'm yeah. going to throw something at you. Mm-hmm. I I'm really impressed the way Marvel Stadium wicket is now playing. They've seemed to have got that right. So well done to the curators. Should Marvel Stadium be locked in each year for the final? Because you know you're not going to have any issues of whether the match will get played. Oh, I'm I'm a bigger fan of a home final, Robbie. If you if you oh, can, yeah. it, I just think it, it's really a reward for the fans of the team that finishes top of the tree. To Unless have, you're in WA. Yeah. Well, then. Well, yeah. Depends. Because Smirk McGowan doesn't let anyone. He doesn't let his <laughs> own many. Hey, that's not too controversial. Yeah, that could be could be a bit controversial. We we might get um might get the production guys to to chop, yeah. to chop that out. But um, I, can we just go back to uh, Josh Filippi, Filippi? Uh, mm-hmm. I I dug out some stats. Um, because he he's just been turning it on. So th- these are as at the sixteenth of December. I tweeted these out just for the whole world to get their head around this. So mm-hmm. so Jr. Philippi, thirteen half centuries. Seven of those are eighty plus scores. Gee, and that's that's out of that was out of his first fifty one knocks in T twenty. Cricket striking at 145 plus, mm. like th- that to me is a very very good set of credentials. Seven eight seven eighty plus scores out of fifty one knocks. <laughs> yep, at one forty. Well done to you, digging that one up. Um. So anyway, Matt, and, oh now there, sorry. While we're on social media, you've got a couple other little stats there, haven't you? I think you've got another little oh, one. Oh, I, I, I just wanted to throw back to the test match. 
Hmm. Now, our cricket library staff uh, who were working during the test match on our social media channels tweeted something out uh, applauding uh, Mark Howard on his use oh. of middle initials. Yeah. So, so Mark Howard or M.R. Howard, let's refer to him as M.R. Howard, uh, he... He took a screenshot of something that came up on his Twitter feed. So the first part of this was from the Cricket Library, which said, hearing at Mark Howard 03 introduce the next commentators as M.E. War, A.C. Gilchrist and M.E.K. Hussey, setting the bar high for use of middle initials. Well done, Howie. Hashtag, ask the librarian. Then... The next uh, the, the two minutes later, after after that tweet went out from the cricket library, and uh, I apologise here, there's a word that may not be suitable for for youngsters. It it just says, uh, "Why the crap is it necessary to introduce commentators with their initials instead of first names?" FFS. I don't know what that stands for. FFS. Uh, I don't. Yeah, anyway, um, we'll just have to um, imagine we know what that means. Going to be a long summer. Angry face emoji. Hashtag mm. ashes. And my word, didn't Mark Howard get a positive response to the use of he middle did. initials? And so he should have. Oh, there is a flurry of of comments in support of Mr. Howard. So, well, I think I was one of them. I think I came in and yeah, I, well, chipped, chipped little reply. Yeah, just asking people to just relax a bit and enjoy a great tradition of the game. Uh, yeah, I understand it has been a long year, and some people, um, yeah, like some things bothering people that. Well, Matt, may, may not always... say, I'm not sure if I've told this before, but on return, I, on return to club cricket. Out at my former club, Holbrook, two years ago, I came out there and the, we'd won the toss and batting and the captain was writing down the uh, batting order. And you don't know how delighted I was when I came in and um, my nephew who plays there, he said, Uncle Rob, what's your middle initial? Oh, how good. I said, <laughs> I said B, thanks. I went in, I walked, I said, what are you doing? I said, boys, this is fantastic. R.B. McKinley went in, number six. Well, it could have been a bit higher, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and I said, boys, I said, this is so good. I said, can you please keep doing this? This is fantastic. I said, go, go back, look at old test score sheets, and you'll see this sort of stuff. This is brilliant. So they're on board with it, but don't, you know, don't, don't underestimate the youth of today and where they're going with this too, Matt. So I know you're – there's been no one – more in, in, in cricket than you pushing for the, the initials. You know them all. You, oh. you know how Glenn McGrath, Glenn McGrath knows every wicket he took. I reckon it's almost to the point where I could ask him any, almost <laughs> any first-class cricketer or chess cricketer and you'd be able to give me the middle name. Oh, it, it's an apologies for name-dropping here, but I, I was catching up with LK Jamon, uh, from, oh. for, former, former New Zealand captain, oh. current Current CEO, Cricket New South Wales. Your boss. Yeah, my boss. He was in Dubbo. My and... former boss, so I can be a bit more loose with this, but <laughs> keep going. So he was, he was talking about uh, a World Cup semi-final where he and Chris Harris piled on the runs for New Zealand against Australia, and, and Lee was saying that he subsequently caught up with M.A. Taylor and... The Australians apparently had a team meeting, and in the team meeting, they listed off nine players uh, that they had to have some concerns over when it came to the batting. Oh and, no! And the only, the only, two. the only two players that weren't of concern <laughs> were were Harris and Jamon. And oh. I actually, <laughs> I actually said said to Lee, I said. Oh, Chris Harris, he was CZ Harris, wasn't he? And Lee was like, oh, "Yes, no. yes, he was." And I was, I was very pleased that I was able to 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 let the 
EO know that um, I was aware that it was CZ Harris. So What's his middle name? Zorro. Oh, see, that's where I'm not a specialist. I'm not a specialist. Possibly in, Zane? No, it, it, let's... I'm going to I'm going to do something here. So I'm actually looking this up, people. I don't. I... Well, we need to know. So... Yeah, Zinzan, 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 Chris Zinzan Harris. Well, okay. The great All Black was Zinzan Brook. That's right. That's right. And interestingly, there you go. Harris's father, Zin Harris. Yeah. Uh, was a New Zealand international player, and I'm pretty sure um, Zin played against South Africa before apartheid, and yep. and then CZ Harris played against South Africa after apartheid. Post, yeah, yep, yeah, and and, and here we go. Um, the More. They have uh, – they're a distant relative of Zinzan Brook. Oh, you're kidding me. So there you go. So There you go. Yeah, we're, we just keep uncovering gold here on the Cricket Library That's Weekly. That's brilliant. Yeah. So there you go. Apologies for the name dropping. I don't normally like to do that. but that No, you, when, just... you, when you drop names like that and you can deliver quality to go with it like that, Matt, <laughs> that's fair enough. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, but but anyway, Robbie, I'm having a birthday in less than two hours, and um, you are. It's probably probably time for us to put the queue in the rack for 2021. Right. Uh, thank you so much to all of our loyal listeners. Thanks to Matt Fiction. Uh, thanks to Matt at the Orange Library, and thanks to you, Robbie. It's it's been a great year. I've thoroughly enjoyed our time on the Cricket Library Weekly. And, um, yeah, hope you get some quality time with your family and your friends over over this Christmas New Year period and uh, take in a bit of the the cricket while you're at it. Yeah, for sure. And you, you too, mate. We're already enjoying a bit of family time, so which is which is great. But, yeah, it's another testing year and looks like, you know, there could be a few more little hurdles to get over as we go forward in the 2022. But that's the beauty of sport and particularly cricket, Australia's favourite summer sport and um, yeah if we can have a bit of fun with it and talk about it well it's it's a good distraction at times but you too Maddie um, and the boys and and girls your lovely little girl Faith Peter and Jack and Aaron your wife uh, all have a wonderful Christmas look forward to a brilliant new year thanks very much Robbie this has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all it's bye for now